Each week, we have been looking at the questions that Jesus is asking of those he encounters in the gospel according to John. And each week, we find that those questions are directed not only to the people that Jesus encounters there, but they are also directed to our own encounters with the living Christ. Jesus asks these questions of us as well. Let's set the stage for this question of Jesus. On Palm Sunday, John 18, 33 and 34, Pilate goes back into the palace, summons Jesus and asks him, Are you the king of the Jews? Why is he asking them this question? Why is he asking Jesus about whether he's the king of the Jews? Well, this is where Palm Sunday begins. In John, we find Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem. And he is hailed by the people. Hosanna, son of David. Who was David? David was the king that they all remember as the glory days of Israel. And they're longing for the Messiah to come the promised one who's going to set them free from imperial Rome, set them free from all of their troubles, drive out those who oppress them, and establish again the throne of the kingdom of Israel and Judah. They hailed Jesus as king. And then, as we read in the Gospels, things shift and turn. Over the last number of weeks, we have been in the process that happens as the high priests and Pharisees arrest Jesus as he is betrayed by one of his own disciples, and they drag him into a trial. They accuse him of blasphemy. They accuse him of claiming to be God himself. And they plan to kill him. They turn the crowds against him. And now, in this text this morning, they drag Jesus before the Roman proconsul, the one who has political power, who represents the Roman Empire in the land of Israel, and in the city of Jerusalem. Pilate comes out and talks to the Jewish leaders and says, why in the world are you dragging this man here before me? What do you want me to do with him? If he's causing you problems, you have the right to do as you please with those who are causing religious problems. And they said, well, no, he, he's a criminal. And we want him gone. He needs to die, and we're not allowed to kill him ourselves because of the Roman laws. So we brought him to you. Take our word for it. He deserves to die. So, G so Pilate goes back in, and we'll read here again this text. Pilate then went back inside the, the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, 
Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus does what he always does when people ask him questions. He doesn't give an answer. Have you noticed this? We've talked about this. This is something we have struggled with and we're trying to wrap our minds around. Whenever we come to Jesus with a question, rather than just answering us, Jesus always has a question of his own. And it's always a question that gets to the heart of the matter, that reveals what's really going on. Whether it's whether what's going on in the situation that they find themselves, whether it reveals the truth of the situation that has been set up as a trap for him, or whether it reveals what is going on in the hearts of the people coming before him. So Jesus asks him a question in return. Are you the king of the Jews, Jesus? And Jesus says, is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? You see, Pilate, Pilate is a Roman governor. He is responsible for the political peace and stability of Israel and the land around that is governed by the empire of Rome. This Jesus that has been dragged before him by the religious leaders, he may have heard of him, maybe. He may have some inkling that this is a rabble-rouser, someone who's been causing some unrest among the Jewish leaders and in the temple, perhaps. But from the mind of Pilate, the way that he is responsible for what's happening here. This Jesus hasn't been preaching about throwing out the Romans. He, his followers have had no attacks on Roman interests and, and soldiers. There's been no political uprising by bands of the followers of this Jesus like there have been in other places by other leaders including this guy Barabbas, who's now already in jail for trying to incite violence against the oppressors. Barabbas he's heard of. Jesus, no. Pilate would know what's going on if there had been a claim to political power. Why would Pilate think of Jesus as some sort of threat. It's clear here in the passage that he really doesn't. So when he says, are you really this king of the Jews? Jesus's question reveals again that Pilate really isn't threatened by him. Pilate doesn't even care. Pilate only asks the question about who the king of the Jews is because someone has been telling him that's what this Jesus is saying. Someone has been whispering into his ear or shouting and demanding from the steps of the governor's palace, do something about this man. He's a threat. 
he's going to try to overthrow the government. And so they continue on in their conversation. When Jesus says, Why do you ask this? Did someone else talk to you about what I, who I am? Pilate disavows and he says, well, I, I have no stake in this. I'm not a Jew. I really don't care what's going on. It's your own people that want you gone. What have you done that makes them so angry? Jesus' response then gets to the heart of the matter for us. Jesus said in verse 36 and 37, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And then Pilate goes, Ah, so you are a king. You are a king. You do claim some kind of kingship. Because he said, my kingdom is not from here, it's from another place. Jesus is speaking to a spiritual reality. Pilate is thinking in terms of politics. In 37 and 38, we read this. You are a king then, says Pilate, and Jesus answers in this way. I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone who's on the side of truth listens to me. Remember where we started in the Gospel of John? John writes in John chapter 1 this story of the Jesus revealed, the Jesus who comes to what? To be the light in the darkness, to reveal the truth of God and his kingdom. Jesus says, I have come to reveal the truth. Then everyone who's on the side of truth listens to me. Does Pilate listen? Pilate immediately recognized that we're not talking about politics here, so he has no further stake in the question. He says, huh, what is truth anyway? What is truth what is truth? We know from the scriptures what the truth of God is, how the gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached through the millennia, and this coming week we will remember. We will reflect and then we will celebrate what God has done in the gospel of Jesus Christ who dies and is resurrected. But for Pilate, Pilate, a Roman political leader in the ancient world, truth is determined by power and dominance. This is the way the ancient world thinks. If my gods are better than your gods, then we will win and you will lose. And right now I'm sitting here on the top of the pile and you are in chains before me. The only truth that's important here is that my gods are better than you. My gods are better than your. And who is Pilate's God? 
in a religious sense. Pilate certainly has the pantheon of the Greek and Roman gods in his own knowledge, but his God of gods, the one to whom he bows the knee and offers him whole, his whole self to, is the God who is the emperor, the Caesar, who claims religious authority, he who is a living God among humanity. They bow down and worship his image. They offer offerings and incense and prayers to Caesar because he is their God and king. As Pilate hears this question, what is, or Pilate says this question, what is truth anyway, if you've come to reveal truth? I know my truth, and now I'm free to operate in that way. And so Pilate takes the path of pragmatic political opportunism, and he does whatever he thinks is going to keep him on top of the pile. But these words of Jesus echo in his heart. And we know from some of the other stories around the gospel of Jesus and his encounter with Pilate that things are not all well in the palace of the governor. Jesus says, I came into the world to, re to testify to the truth, and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I think Pilate's quick answer about truth reveals more about the uncertainty and struggle within him than he lets on. Our spirits, each and every one of us as human beings, our spirits long for truth. We want something real to hang on to. We want something true to live for that guides us, that shapes us, that provides meaning for who we are, what we are, where we go, and how we live. For each of us, there are also voices all around us in our world that whisper in our ears or shout into our faces, speaking in half-truths with ulterior motives, things they want to have happen. The question that was on the screen earlier is, have you ever been manipulated by someone whose motives you didn't know about in a situation? What a terrible feeling when you realize the truth, right? I've been used. I thought I was doing something good. I thought I was doing something that was according to the, my way of seeing the world and doing what is right. And now I find out I've been lied to. Someone else, something else has used me as their pawn for their benefit. What a terrible feeling to have been manipulated and used by others. The Jewish leaders are trying to use Pilate for their own ends, and so they tell him and whisper half-truths to him about this king guy who's going to overthrow the Roman Empire, 
only they don't know that it is the truth. It's a truth that's an eternal truth, and ultimately their Roman Empire, not only in the land of Israel, but throughout the entire world will be overthrown by the gospel of a resurrected king. But in that moment, they're trying to manipulate the situation. The question that Jesus asks us is this. The way you see things, the way you think things are happening, the way that you understand the world to be, is that your own idea? Or is someone whispering in your ear, using you for their own purposes? The scriptures tell us that the fight that we fight as followers of Jesus Christ, as people of the kingdom of God, is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. And that the war that is raging in the heavens and in our world is a war waged between the one who has been defeated by the blood of Christ and Jesus, who is God and who will subdue at whose, at whose feet every knee shall bow, because he is the truth. But our foe is a tricky one and loves to come to us with half-truths and loves to try to push us and trick us and entice us into doing his bidding, to pull us away from the truth of God the ways of God to distract us from being a people whose hearts are entirely and fully devoted to Jesus our King. In just a few days, or maybe even starting today, some of you are going to be going to family gatherings and gathering around a table for an Easter dinner and celebration. And what better thing to do at a family gathering than to get all hot and bothered about questions that come up? You know, religion and politics, right? Some of you love it. Others just cringe because they know it's going to get really uncomfortable. Some of you aren't going to talk about it at all because you've all already learned the lesson that it never goes anywhere good. But isn't this the case when we come together in places where we let down our guards, then suddenly we start taking sides on things? There is a strain of religious thinking in our world which insists that engagement in the political sphere must be every Christian's primary concern and everyone who is a true believer must pick a side. On the one hand, you have social and fiscal conservatism, which appeals to a biblical worldview. But it has become enmeshed with authoritarianism, free market capitalism, and an us-first tribalism. Or on the other hand, social justice activism and distributive economics, which coincide well with a biblical worldview, have become enmeshed with an interceptional virtue signaling. Anything goes morality 
and an all-or-nothing kind of tribalism. You're either for us or against us. There's another way of religious thinking in our world that insists that theological purity and uniformity of doctrinal belief and practice will determine one's eternal destiny, and everyone must pick a side. On the one hand, you have a concern for the authority of Scripture and personal holiness for a righteous God, which has become enmeshed with rigid dogmatism and legalistic judgmentalism, where difference of any kind becomes anathema. Or you have a view of a gracious and loving God who comes to meet us where we are in our brokenness and a concern for the suffering and the struggle of humanity becoming enmeshed also in a gospel of personal prosperity and well-being or the primacy of personal experience and moral relativism over the word of God. There's another way of religious thinking that is all around us, and it is just as appealing as it is dangerous to the spiritual life of believers. That's the way of thinking that says, I am so past all of this religious stuff. I am not going to pick a side. I just look at Jesus. Yes, our eyes are to be fixed on Jesus. But this becomes enmeshed in thinking that, you know what, I'm spiritual but not religious. Everyone can think about this stuff and live out their faith however they see fit. So live and let live, right? Jesus is going to take care of it all in the end anyway. Not my problem. I'm not going to worry myself about it. Or on the other hand, I know that I'm right with Jesus. I'm living morally and I'm doing good things because I'm a Christian. Which is good and right. And which has also become enmeshed with a self-satisfied self-righteousness that no longer cares for those who are living in the darkness of their sin and their separation from God. Jesus says, I come into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate asks, so are you a king or not? Jesus says, the kingdom I'm a part of doesn't come from here. Do you notice that he doesn't say, my kingdom is not here? His kingdom is here. It is enacted in this world, in this physical space. But it is not from here. It is an otherworldly kind of kingdom. And for all those who follow Jesus, the answer is yes, Jesus is king. In 
and as kingdom citizens, the only voice which we listen to, the only voice that we follow is the voice of Jesus in its authority and in its compassion, in its love and in its sanctifying transformation through the Spirit. Every truth claim on our lives must be measured against the voice of Jesus. We all must ask ourselves the question that Jesus asks of us. Is that your own idea? Or is someone else whispering in your ear? Because the voice of Jesus in this week of Easter says to us, come, take up your cross and follow me. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we confess that so often we have taken in voices that are manipulating us. In our desire to follow you well, we have, we have become careless, and we assume that because one thing seems right, that everything else that is associated with it also is right. Help us, Lord, to be a discerning people. May we be a people who are shaped and formed by your Spirit within us. Always asking, is this the voice of Jesus? Is this the voice of my flesh? Is this the voice of the accuser, the one who is seeking to destroy and tear down the kingdom of God? Help us, Lord, to be a people whose hearts and minds and souls are devoted to you, our King. May we serve only you. May we walk always in the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Fort Gary MB Church. We hope that what you heard challenged you to think in new ways about Jesus Christ and the life that we are called to through his death and resurrection. If you have any questions about who we are as a church, our mission, or have any other questions in general, please do not hesitate to contact our office email at info at fgmb.ca. Be blessed.